Wow, what an amazing morning. Fantastic. Amen? Amen. Fantastic. That's brilliant. So good, isn't it, to be able to be here this morning, to be part of this morning, to witness these two fantastic people getting baptized and just brilliant. Fantastic. Um, so let's just really celebrate that this morning and give thanks to God for that. Excuse my Barry White impression. Um, <clears throat> still recovering from a, a cold. Hopefully my voice will last out. I came across this recently about people born before 1940. I'm not going to ask you like, who was born before 1940 because I might get in trouble. But um, this is about people born before 1940. We were born before television, before penicillin, polio shots, frozen foods, photocopiers, contact lenses, videos, and the pill. We were before radar, credit cards, split atoms, laser beams, and ballpoint pens. Before dishwashers, tumble dryers, electric blankets, air conditioners, drip dry clothes, and before man walked on the moon. We got married first and then we lived together. How quaint can you be? We thought fast food was what you ate in Lent. A Big Mac was an oversized raincoat and crumpet we had for tea. We existed before house husbands and computer dating and sheltered accommodation was where you waited for a bus. We were before daycare centers or disposable nappies. We'd never heard of FM radios, CDs, DVDs, PCs, the internet, artificial hearts, or young men wearing earrings. For us, time sharing meant togetherness. A chip was a piece of wood or, or a fried potato. Hardware meant nuts and bolts and software wasn't a word. Before 1940, made in Japan meant junk. The, the term making out referred to how you did in your exams. Stud was something that fastened a collar to a shirt and going all the way meant staying on a double-decker bus to the terminus. In our day, cigarette smoking was fashionable. Grass was mown, coke was kept in the coal house, a joint was a piece of meat you ate on Sundays, pot was something you cooked in, and rock music was a fond mother's lullaby. We who were born before 1940 must have been a hardy bunch when you think of the way in which the world has changed and the adjustments we've had to make. No wonder there's a generation gap today, but by the grace of God, we have survived. Change is inevitable, isn't it? The world is moving at such a kind of frenetic and, and frantic pace and nothing stands still for very long. If you think it's only true for those who were born what must seem to those of us who are younger a really long time ago, actually just think about someone who's 22 years or under, somebody born in the year 2000 or onwards. Put your hand up this morning if you are 22 or under. There's quite a few people who are 22 or under. Yeah, there's quite a few of you. Well, just think about it. Anyone under 22 has no idea what it was like to live in the Cold War with thousands of Soviet missiles aimed at the UK, that they missed the Berlin Wall coming down. They've never experienced the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or even the 90s. No oasis, no blur. Personally, I was a blur man rather than oasis. That They can't imagine a world without mobile phones or the internet. They don't even know what records are. Now, Claire and I think we're pretty cool and trendy because we listen to our music on an iPod. But Louise Morley came around recently and pointed out to us that an iPod is actually sort of 20-year-old technology and apparently Spotify or something is what you do today. Basically, we're just old fuddy-duddies. The world is changing at such a phenomenal pace, isn't it? And lots of the things that we thought we understood or could rely rely upon are just disappearing fast. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're 22 or 82, these things move all the time. And sometimes we have great plans and dreams for our lives. 
career plans, plans for our families, plans for our retirement, but sometimes things don't end up just as we'd imagined or planned out. All sorts of things can happen. I doubt that many of us could have imagined 12 months ago that we'd be paying what we are now for petrol at the pump. It would have been a nightmare, and it literally is, isn't it? Or that, more seriously, Russia would have invaded Ukraine. The world is changing and nothing is certain, except that is for one thing, or rather one person. One person that is constant and certain in this world. And my message today to you, Steph, I wish you just sat together, it made this easier for me. Steph and Veronica, I'm gonna have to do this quite a lot. And, and in fact, to all of us here this morning is this, in a changing world where nothing is certain except change, focus on that which is constant, focus on that which is unchanging. Build your lives upon Jesus. In, an un- in a changing and an uncertain world, build your life upon the one the Bible says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's been amazing to see you get baptized this morning, and now I just want to encourage you today just to keep building your lives on Jesus, not just now, but for the rest of your life. Can we have that slide up, Bolu, please? Can we have the slide up? Oh, it's up there. Okay, that's fine. That's because this isn't being switched on. There we go. That would, that would help. Then I can see what's actually up there. It's amazing. See, technology. It's rubbish. I'll try that again. So fix your eyes, build your lives on Jesus, the one who is unchanging, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's been great to hear from you guys this morning, to actually hear your stories, to actually see you publicly declaring um, how your lives have changed and how you trusted in Jesus. It's not just the world around us that's changing so uh, sort of madly. You guys have actually changed. You might not look any different, but you guys have changed completely and utterly. Everything has changed for you since you trusted in Jesus. And we've seen you act that out this morning, haven't we? And uh, as you've and, and sort of demonstrate that as you've been baptized, you've demonstrated the change that's taken place in your life. And we live in a world where lots of the change around us is bad and is difficult. Not all change is bad, lots of really good change, but lots of the world around, lots of the change around us is bad, it's difficult to cope with. But the change that's happened in your lives is the very, very best kind of change. It's the very best kind of change that possibly is. There's an old hymn that we sometimes sing that contains this line, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And that's the best kind of change, the change that Jesus brings. When we trust in Jesus, as you guys have done, and ask Jesus into our hearts, the change that takes place is the most amazing change that we can possibly imagine. Paul the Apostle was one of the main church leaders in the early church. And in fact, he wrote most of the New Testament of the Bible. Apostle just means God's special messenger. He had the special role from God. But before the apostle Paul trusted in Jesus, he was a very, very different person. And he built his life upon all kinds of religious stuff. He was incredibly religious. He was probably the most religious man on the planet at that time, or certainly had a claim to that. He was a really devoted Jew. He had all the right qualifications, all the right connections. All the boxes were ticked in terms of his religious devotion. He had it all as far as he was concerned and as the kind of culture of his day. In fact, he was so devoted to his version of the Jewish faith that he persecuted Christians. He had them arrested and he had, to, and he had them put to death. He really hated Jesus and he really hated Christians. And then one day, as Paul was on his way to arrest some more Christians and have them put to death, 
he had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And Paul was never the same again. In fact, his name was Saul and he changed his name to Paul, partly, I think, to, to kind of illustrate and demonstrate the fact that he was just a totally different person. He was totally changed because he's encountered Jesus. And from that moment on, Paul discovered the meaninglessness and the pointlessness of life lived without Jesus. He was totally changed. Paul went from being this self-righteous religious man who hated Christians to being somebody who loved Jesus and ended up writing most of the New Testament. What a phenomenal change Jesus brought about in the life of the Apostle Paul. And years later, as he looked back on his life before trusting in Jesus, and as he thought about how mega religious he'd been and what he'd filled his life with, this is what he said in a book of the Bible called Philippians, and it's found in Philippians chapter three. This is what Paul said, thinking about how he used to be before he trusted in Jesus. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let me read that again. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In comparison to knowing Jesus, nothing else really matters. It, it, it's all fluff. It's like leaves that blow away in the wind. It's, it's rubbish that will just rot on a heap. As Paul looked at his life and the things that he once built his life upon, the things that he'd really held dear, this is what he says. He says, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage or rubbish, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the Jewish law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Paul says that he considers the things that this world has to offer and the things that he'd been building his life upon, garbage or, or rubbish. Actually, the Greek word that this is translated from is excrement. The translators of the English Bibles are always just a little bit too nervous to use that word, but that's what the word actually means. I bet you didn't expect this morning to hear the word excrement in church or that it was actually in the Bible, but it is. And we should use it because it really drives home the point that Paul is trying to make. According to Paul here in the Bible, in comparison to knowing Jesus, the most exciting things that this world can offer, the most uh, things that this world can kind of pretend is, is good, these things are like excrement in comparison to knowing Jesus. But why does Paul use such strong language? Why does he use a word like this in the Bible? Why is knowing Jesus, why is having a relationship with Jesus so amazing? And, and why is it, according to Paul, and according to everything else, and like everything else, just like excrement. Well, this verse tells us that the only way to be right with God, the only way for our sins to be dealt with and removed is, and, and the only way to get to heaven and have eternal life, the only way to get that and to do that is putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Paul had been trying to do that. He'd been trying to get right with God by being really religious and obeying all the Jewish laws in the Bible. But he discovered it didn't work because he discovered that he just wasn't good enough. It didn't matter how much he tried to keep all those rules and how religious he was. He, wasn't, he just wasn't good enough to have that relationship with God. And he discovered as he met Jesus that day that only trusting in Jesus could make him right with God. Only having that relationship with God through Jesus could do all that he was trying to achieve through his own good works. 
This, this verse says that when we plug into Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in who he is and, and in what he's done for us and, and what he did on the cross by taking the punishment for our sins, then we get to be considered righteous. We get to uh, be right with God. When we trust in Jesus, then God not only forgives our sins and, 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 and washes them away, but he chooses to think of us as being as perfect and as holy and as right as Jesus. Steph and Veronica, you have trusted in Jesus, which is amazing. It's brilliant. And, and that means this morning that when God looks at you guys, he sees Jesus. He sees you as being as perfect and as holy as Jesus. He doesn't see your sin anymore. He just sees Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't that great? I'm going to preach at you two. You're going to have to get used to this, okay? It's just going to be you two. And that enables you to have a relationship with a holy God. That's why in comparison to knowing Jesus, everything else is like excrement, says Paul. That there's nothing and there's no one else in this world that can get you to heaven. There's nothing else in this world that can give you that relationship with God. There's lots of good things, lots of legitimate things in this world, but when you stand before God... You won't be relying on your career or, or titles or, or good things that you've done in this life. You won't be relying on any achievements or, or your family or, or your wealth or anything else. The only thing that will matter when you stand before God on that day is whether you've put your trust and uh, faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it's brilliant that you guys have. And, and that's why Paul says that in comparison to even the greatest things in life, knowing Jesus wins hands down. But, you know, being made right in God's eyes is not all we get through knowing Jesus. It, that's amazing, and that should, should be enough, shouldn't it? But we get so much more than that. As we read the Bible, we discover this. When Adam and Eve sinned, right back there in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of time, the world went into freefall, sin, sin entered into the world, and ever since then, human beings have been desperately trying to get back, regain what, what we lost there in the Garden of Eden. When the relationship that we were created to have with God was severed by the sin of our ancestor, Adam, mankind, humanity lost the three things that we all now seek, significance, security, and acceptance. And every person on the planet now spends their lives looking for those three things. They might not realize that's what they're doing, but that's what they're doing. Some people seek them in relationships, some people seek them in possessions or in power, but only in Jesus do we truly gain significant security and acceptance. Only when we're in Christ, when we've given our lives to Jesus, are these three things regained. Knowing Jesus is truly amazing because in Christ, you are significant. Steph, Veronica, in Christ, you are significant this morning because of Jesus. People all over the world are longing for significance, longing to be somebody, longing for fame, for recognition, for a sense of identity, for a sense of purpose. But it's only in Jesus that we truly get these things. It's only in Jesus that we are truly receive that significance we were originally meant to have. The Bible says this, speaking about those who've trusted in Jesus, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? You know, when you came to know Jesus, when you guys, Steph and Veronica, came to know Jesus, when you turned around and started living for him, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came to live in you and enabled that change to be possible. The Bible says that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't need a building. He doesn't need a, a temple. You are the walking, talking, living, breathing temple of God. He lives in you and he lives in me. And that's amazing, isn't it? That's phenomenal. That is life. That is staggering. And it's life-changing. 
The God who made the universe, the God who flung stars into space, who created all the wonderful things that we see around us, has chosen to make his home inside you guys. He lives inside of you and he connects you with God forever. And the Bible says that in Christ, we are chosen to be God's people. When we study the Bible, we discover that although we thought we chose to follow Jesus, actually he chose us. And that's difficult to understand, but if you know Jesus, it's because God chose you. He wanted to have a relationship with you. And I don't know about you, but I find the idea that the idea of God choosing me absolutely staggering. But it helps me to see the significance I now have now that I am in Christ and now that you guys are in Christ. Isn't it great knowing Jesus? Isn't it truly amazing? We search for significance in life in so many places and in so many ways, but real significance is only truly found in knowing Jesus. Steph and Veronica, God chose you to be part of his holy family, the church, before he even created the world. Does that blow your minds this morning? Before God even created anything, he already knew you'd be here this morning. He already chose you to be part of his family. No wonder Paul says that everything else in life is like excrement compared with knowing Christ. The second thing that everyone looks for in life is security. People often try and find security in finance or, or, or possessions. But as we see now in the events of just the last few weeks, and I think it's probably going to get worse, isn't it? Money comes and money goes. And we can lose all of our money and all of our possessions very easily, very quickly. But Jesus is constant. And once we know Jesus as Savior, we are truly secure. In Christ, you are secure. Veronica and Steph, let me tell you this morning that no matter what else might happen to you, you cannot be separated from God and his love. You are secure in Christ. The Bible says there's no power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Human love is great, isn't it? But it's changeable and, it, and it's fickle. Over half the marriages, sadly, in the UK today end in divorce. The love sometimes runs out. Things go wrong. And the security of knowing that we're, we're loved uh, can be just lost so easily. Yet in Christ, we have this wonderful guarantee that nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate you guys from God's love. No matter what you do in life or anybody else does in life to you, nothing is going to change the fact that God loves you and you are safe in his grip of grace. Isn't that amazing that God's love to you isn't dependent on how good you are for the rest of your life. It's not dependent on whether you measure up to some standard. God's love to you is found in Jesus and it's reliable and it's constant. God is love. The Bible says that when we trusted in Jesus, God anointed us, he set his seal of ownership, not a seal like the ones you get in the sea, but a seal, a kind of mark, a stamp of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, as a down payment, guaranteeing what is to come. Not kind of halfway guaranteeing it, but an absolute guarantee of what is to come. The moment that you guys trusted in Jesus, God's Holy Spirit came to live in your heart and he acts like a seal, like a, like a mark, a stamp of ownership from God. I used to be a, a, a customs officer and if we seized things like the drugs and so on that have been smuggled, we would take ownership of them, we'd put them in an evidence bag and then we would seal them with the crown seal. 
And once that seal was on there, that was the government stamp of ownership. The crown was on it and it had a, a kind of serial number. And nobody could break that seal. It was illegal to break that seal. And the same is true with Jesus. When we give our lives, when you gave your lives to Jesus, you are now his for all eternity. And no one and nothing can break that seal. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us to show that we now, that you now belong to Jesus. Jobs can be lost, money can dry up, human love can be lost, but nothing you can do or anyone else can do can take away your security in Christ. You cannot lose that wonderful salvation that God has given you because it's yours forever, because it's not dependent on you, it's all dependent on what Jesus has done for you. You are secure in God's grip of grace. Imagine like that little, like Seth over there with his little hand and kind of in his mum or his dad's hand. And, that, and that's what it's like to be in Christ with God, our Father, firmly gripping our hands. No wonder Paul says that everything else in life is like excrement compared with knowing Christ. One thing we all struggle with is rejection, isn't it? I think even the most confident of people have insecurities deep down inside. We, we all deep down inside worry what other people think about us. We all like to be accepted. None of us like rejection. We all worry what people think about us. Sometimes we'll do some really stupid things, won't we, to be accepted by other people. We'll drink too much or we'll, or we'll behave in stupid ways that we know are wrong just to be accepted, just to feel some love and acceptance. But in Christ, you are accepted this morning. In Christ, Steph and Veronica, you are accepted. True acceptance doesn't come from other people. It comes from God through Jesus. And Steph and Veronica, in Christ, you are truly accepted. The Bible says this, yet to all who received him, that's Jesus, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we trust in Jesus, we get the, we get the right to become God's children. God offers us and he, he gives us the acceptance of a loving parent who just wraps his arms around us. God accepts us, not because of the stuff that we do, the good things, no matter how good they are. He accepts us because of what Jesus has done for us. And he doesn't demand perfection from us or, or a certain standard from us. He simply loves us and accepts us into his family. And of course, God wants us to live holy lives. He wants us to, to be like Jesus. Of course he does. But when we blow it and when we let him down, he doesn't kick us out of the family. Isn't that good? Because otherwise I'd have been kicked out of the family a long time ago. And it's great, isn't it, to know that it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on what Jesus has done. No wonder Paul says everything else in life is like excrement compared to knowing Jesus. When Paul contemplated the wonder of knowing Jesus, he went on to say these words in Philippians chapter 3. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, getting to know more about him and deepening your relationship with him is all important. In fact, it's all that really matters in life. Paul said here that he wanted to know the power of God, that, that power that had raised Jesus from the dead. He wanted to know that power active in his own life so that he could serve God more, so that he could tell more people about Jesus, so that he could bring God glory. And Paul was prepared to follow Jesus, even if that meant sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. Even if it meant losing his own life, which, of course, for Paul, eventually he did. And it's important to realize, Steph, and Veronica, that trusting in Jesus is not a ticket to health and wealth and prosperity. It, it doesn't guarantee us a you know, wonderful life and health and wealth and prosperity here on earth. In, in fact, it might do the opposite. 
it might well bring you all kinds of suffering and persecution. For many Christian believers in the world today, that's the very much the reality of what it means to follow Jesus. But Paul could face these things, and you can face these things this morning, knowing that you have eternal life. And even if we lose our lives in this world, we have eternal life with Christ to look forward to. Paul knew that whatever happened, whether he lived or whether he died, he would one day, he would go to, to, to immediately be with Jesus himself, but, and one day his own body would be resurrected when Jesus came again because he trusted in Jesus. Steph and Veronica, can I challenge you this morning? In fact, this, this challenge is for everybody here this morning if you know and love Jesus. I want to challenge you today to keep Jesus right at the center of your lives to make sure that Jesus continues to be the most important thing and the most important person in your life. It is so easy, and those of us who've been Christians for longer will, will attest to this, it's so easy to get sidetracked as followers of Jesus with all kind of good stuff, all kinds of sort of legitimate things that are well-meaning, but we get sidetracked instead of staying focused on Jesus. And that can happen to the point where Jesus kind of gets relegated and, and is no longer at the center of our lives. You know, the things of this world, as good as some of them might be, are temporary and they're unreliable. They're like shifting sands. But Jesus will always be there. He's the only thing that's constant. He's the only person that's constant and reliable in this world. So my message to you both this morning, Steph, Veronica, and in fact to all of us here this morning, is this. Put Jesus at the center of your life. Put Jesus at the center of your life. Invest your life in Jesus because he will not let you down. Make him number one. Put Christ before anything and before anyone else. Everything else in this life will eventually come and it will go. Everything goes back in a box, including us, one day. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it on the temporary things of this world. Invest it in Jesus. Devote yourselves to him. Paul goes on to say these words in Philippians 3, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So Steph and Veronica, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and keep pressing on like Paul as if you're running a physical race. I mean, this is a spiritual race, but it's not really a race. It's a marathon. It's that whole life living with Jesus as the finishing goal, crossing over the finishing goal, looking with your eyes fixed on Jesus when one day you'll be with him forever. I've addressed most of what I've said this morning directly, probably a little bit uncomfortably for them. At Steph and Veronica, you'll never be preached at like this again, so that's it. But, you know, if you've trusted in Jesus this morning, then everything I've said is just as true for every single one of you here this morning if you've trusted in Jesus. Of course, it might be the case that you're here this morning, but you've never taken that step of faith that Steph and Veronica have done. You've not put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And if that's you this morning, if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus as your savior, if you've never asked him to forgive your sins, if you've never thanked him for dying for you on the cross, then can I challenge you and encourage you to take that step today to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now there's lots of important things in life. Lots of them are legitimate and good, but, but nothing is more important than getting right with God. Nothing is more important than surrendering your life to Jesus. Nothing and no one is more important than Jesus because one day we'll all stand before God. 
And the only thing that will matter on that final day is what we did with Jesus. Nothing else will matter. And the only person that can enable us to get right with God is Jesus. Nothing we can do will ever be good enough for God. Like Paul and like Steph and Veronica, we need to trust in Jesus who makes us into the people that we were meant to be. Maybe this morning you, you have trusted in Jesus and, and you kind of connect a little bit with what I said about getting sidetracked and Jesus is no longer that kind of central focus that he should be and you know that you've just kind of allowed other stuff to come in and, and things and people. What a great morning this morning to just to recenter, to refocus and put Jesus right back where he needs to be. In a sense, we should do that every day as followers of Jesus. But maybe this morning, that's a step that you really need to do, just to kind of come right back to ground zero of your faith, right at the foot of the cross, and once again, reconnect with Jesus. If, that's, if you've wandered from him, if you've kind of not been where you should have been, this morning is a great opportunity, a great time. As we've witnessed two other people starting their lives out with Jesus, why not come back to Jesus and like that prodigal son, receive that loving hug of the Father who welcomes you back. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to stand and sing two songs in closing. And uh, the first is based on these words of Paul in Philippians 3 that we've looked at this morning. And the first verse says this, All I once held dear, built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own, all I once thought gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now, Compared to this, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Let's just bow our heads. We're going to pray, and then the band are going to come and lead us in worship. If you want to reconnect with God, now's the time to do it. Just reach out to him this morning. If you've never taken that step, now's the time to do it. The Bible says, now is the day of salvation. Jesus is standing there waiting to receive you. Just take that step of faith and, and ask him to give you new life. And maybe just this morning to come back once again and just say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you are and all that you've done. Knowing you is truly the greatest thing. Father, we worship you this morning for the Lord Jesus. We praise you for your wonderful son that left your side, that came to this earth, that became a human that reach right down into our depths to lift us out. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died there on the cross, taking the punishment, the blame for my sin, for every one of us here this morning's sin, for the sin of the whole world. Thank you this morning that the offer of forgiveness is open to everyone. It's a genuine offer of forgiveness. And I thank you this morning for Steph and Veronica who've, who've plugged into that, who've put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. I thank you for them. And I pray your blessing on them in their lives ahead. May they go on to do great things for you in their situations, wherever they might be. But I pray for each one of us this morning who's here as well. And just ask that wherever we are this morning, wherever we're at with you, that this morning will be the first day of a whole new life, of walking with you, of trusting in you, of living for you. Truly knowing you, Lord Jesus, is the greatest thing. We worship you this morning. In that wonderful name of Jesus, amen.